Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to episode 38 of Journey into Paul's Imagination. I hope everyone had a wonderful Super Bowl weekend and happy Valentine's Day to everyone. After last year, uh, Valentine's Day and really Super Bowl weekend became super special after Lindsay and I got engaged last year on this exact weekend. Um, For those who are unaware, I proposed at Disney's Polynesian Resort on uh on the beach and then we ate at california grill that night which was spectacular california grill is an incredible place um especially after a proposal and then actually we had all of our family friends um Lindsay's parents flew down and surprised her afterwards uh to celebrate really for the whole weekend um and then the following day we ate at ohana breakfast we me and Lindsay stayed at Disney's Coronado Springs Resort, um, where our, our family and friends got to get together and eat at um, eat at Three Bridges Bar and Grill, which love that place. And then later that night, Lindsay and I got to uh, go to Dahlia Lounge um, for dinner, uh, for for drinks after dinner, and then celebrated Super Bowl. And then on Valentine's Day itself, we actually ate at Rose and Crown. So fast forward, to, you know, this year. Just another packed weekend, and we'll talk all about it. Um, but this Valentine's Day now is like a special type of weekend, and I always, I always love Valentine's Day. Um, myself, I mean, I, I'm a sucker for a reason to celebrate. So, um, we had you know tons of celebrating a zillion things this weekend. Um, so there's a lot of fun Disney stuff that I'll be able to, uh, we'll talk about later in the show. It's Gonna be loaded with uh, movie reviews, restaurant reviews, um, attraction reviews. There's a lot we're gonna talk about. Um, so buckle up because it's gonna be exciting. I have a lot to cover. Um, surprisingly enough, not a lot of park news and entertainment news. So we'll kind of get that out of the way early on in the show and fairly quickly. Um, so the first thing. Uh, over at Disneyland, at Disney's California Adventure, Moon Girl, which is part of a new, I believe, Disney Channel Marvel show, um, will arrive on February 15th for a limited time meet and greet. So for any anyone who is a Moon Girl or becomes a Moon Girl fan, um, she'll be meeting over at, at Disney's California Adventure. Coming over here uh, at Walt Disney World, we got some more Disney news. The Princess Weekend race maps have released. Nothing really strikes me as different. Kind of the same 5K, 10K, and half marathon maps from what I saw at a quick glance um, from the past few races, which I really do wish they would switch it up because when I did my Wine and Dine 10K in 2021, um, that had an awesome map where you ran from the Magic Kingdom parking lot all the way to Epcot through studios. Still one of my favorite races to date. Um, and I would love to see that race map come back. But for now, um, it's kind of the same as usual. So, But they're there in case you are going to be running one of the races and want to see where you're going to be running through. Some new stuff going on. Um, on February 16th, AP previews for Tron will open. Yes, I got to um, experience the cast member preview of Tron. Uh, this weekend, I will share my thoughts and only initial thoughts because I, I still feel like I need to rewrite it again. Um, and I want to dedicate a video or a, a video, a um, 
a podcast episode just to that. So we'll talk about it, but we'll probably get more in detail after I actually experience my annual pass preview and had a second time um, to ride the attraction. But February 16th, mark it on your calendar, alarm, whatever you need. Um, Because if you want to ride Tron, that's when you need to be there for. Last piece of park news, reservations for Roundup Rodeo Barbecue at Toy Story Land at Disney's Hollywood Studios opens on February 21st. Um, The restaurant will open on March 23rd. And we also got a quick look at the inside of the restaurant, which looks pretty cool. It kind of looks like if you were just eating inside the queue of Toy Story Mania. Um, so I'm intrigued. I'm hoping to get a reservation, um, during the springtime surprise weekend, specifically because the 10 miler that I'm running is Toy Story themed. So I think it'd be really cool to have a chance to actually eat there, um, after running that race. So we'll see. I'll be trying for reservations and, uh, it looks like a lot of folks as well plan to eat at the restaurant at some point. Over to entertainment news. Um, first, this really isn't entertainment news, but... Ever since I bought a Nintendo Switch, I'm excited for Disney video game news. Um, But Disney Illusion Island releases exclusively on the Nintendo Switch July 28th. It's a platformer game. Kind of reminds me of like like an old school Mario or Sonic game um, starring the Fab Five. I think it's – I think the only person who might not be in the game is Minnie and Pluto. I I could be wrong, but – um, anyways, if you're a, a Nintendo Switch player and you're looking for a little Disney magic um, as part of your gaming experience, there's going to be a new Disney game coming out this summer. Over on Amazon, there's actually a live-action Spider-Man noir series in the works. Um, will not be a Peter Parker story, but still nonetheless excited for more Spider-Man. I feel like it's like Spider-Man and Batman are taking over as like the heroes that you can have multiple stories about. Um, DC obviously has the flash coming out, which we saw Ben Affleck and, um, wow. I'm drawing a blank on his name. Wow. I cannot think of his name. I'm drawing a blank right now. Um, but we got two Batmans and Michael Keaton's Batman. My apologies, Michael Keaton and Ben Affleck's Batman, uh, in the flash, Uh, as well as Matt Reeves' Batman with Robert Pattinson. And then, of course, on the Marvel side, we got Into the Spider-Verse, plus we have Tom Holland's Spider-Man, and now it looks like we're going to get another Spider-Man on top of it. So it's just endless Spider-Mans. So, of course, Super Bowl, you know, okay commercials. I feel like the bigger thing now is trailers. Um, We got the Flash trailer, which looked awesome. We also got a new Indiana Jones 5 and a Guardians of the Galaxy 3 trailer. Um, Indiana Jones 5, I mean, I didn't really pay too much attention to it. It looks cool. The Guardians 3 trailer also looks good, but um, it was a solid trailer. I'm excited. I'm sure it's going to be emotional. This is a little bit more of a lighthearted trailer. Um... But nonetheless, I'm excited for both movies. It's going to be a, a packed, really march on. There's a lot of really good movies coming out. Um, and of course, this week specifically, we have Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania releasing, which I am seeing Thursday night at 11 p.m. Yes, it's late. Yes, it's worth it to see Jonathan Majors as Kang the Conqueror on the big screen. So I'm very excited. Let's get into some movies. So actually, I lied. There's only one movie review that I have. 
Um, but it was a movie that I was very excited to see pre-Super Bowl. Um, for me, 80 for Brady, the moment I knew it was going to be released was going to be the perfect like pre-Super Bowl movie to watch. Um, and it really was. I felt like this was the perfect way to celebrate not only the Super Bowl, but Tom Brady's retirement. Um, it's exactly what you expect it to be. It's funny. It's heartfelt. has great cameos. Don't try and just make fun of this movie and think that it's stupid because it, it it's a funny movie. It's probably, in my opinion, it's the funniest movie of the year so far. I know the year is young, but it's very funny. Um, also, as a football fan, like I just I love the cameos we get. I mean, Guy Fieri. I want to say Guy Fieri because that's the way they say it in the movie. Uh, Guy Fieri, Tom Brady, Danny Amendola, Julian Edelman, Rob Gronkowski. Um, there's also a few actors that are in the movie as well. Um, so, yeah, the cameos are really fun. There's some really good shots throughout the film of the actual Super Bowl. So this is the Falcons and uh, Falcons and Patriots Super Bowl um, when, of course, the Patriots came back down 28-3. Um, there, there, there's some corny moments, you know, regarding that. Um, you know, there, there's one moment in particular with Tom Brady and the one of the women that, that's a little weird. Um, but it's fun. It's a really funny movie. Some good dark humor. Um, some, some good heartfelt moments. Some not good heartfelt moments. Some things that probably didn't even be elaborated on. But overall, like, everyone, all of our friends that went really enjoyed it. Everyone laughed a lot. Felt, it just felt like the perfect like pregame to Super Bowl. So I gave it a 7.4 out of 10. It's a good movie. If you are a football fan or you just want a good laugh, I feel like 80 for Brady is a really just fun movie to see. Um, don't go in there with, you know, just go in there with just wanting to laugh and you'll have a good time with it. I sure enjoyed, you know, the movie a lot. So um I kind of like came up with this thing last week as I was like preparing for this week's podcast and randomly started thinking of like ranking or my, you know, kind of writing down my favorite pre-shows and cues at each park. So I want to share it with you. Um, and I'm curious, like what everyone else is for me, like I'm definitely one and I'll get into this with Tron a little bit. Um, I always like a good pre-show sometimes, don't love the length of all of them, but it's cool to see a good pre-show. I do love a great queue. I mean, there are some attractions that have better queues than rides, in my opinion. Um, so, yeah. So, anyways, let's get right into it. I'm going to rank each of my favorite pre-shows at each park. Um, I'm going to start with Disney's Animal Kingdom um, with Flight of Passage. I feel like... I don't – the only other attraction really with a pre-show is Dinosaur, and I know, unpopular opinion, I don't really care about it. Um, although the Flight of Passage pre-show definitely gets old. When you first ride it, it's an awesome experience. Um, so I can't really take it away because for your first time riding it, the pre-show is really cool. It just takes a while. At Disney's Hollywood Studios, I feel like the obvious Rise of the Resistance just – Probably the greatest pre-show maybe there ever will be. Um, from the the 
the spot where you're being, where you're talking to Ray, the Ray hologram, where you're being transported and you got that scene and now you've been captured um, by the first, or like, it's just incredible. It's the best pre-show probably there ever will be. Over at Epcot, Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind, another attraction with a great pre-show. Um, I'm kind of over the pre-show at this point because at this, I just want to ride the ride. Um, but it, it's a great pre-show, helps with the storyline really well. Um, I think Chris Pratt's acting in it is great. So it's a good pre-show. I just, I'm at a point more so where like, I just want to get on the coaster and go. And over at Magic Kingdom, Haunted Mansion. It's iconic. It's not long. It still is frightening. Um, it just works. It works for Haunted Mansion and I enjoy it. Now, my favorite cues at each park. This was a little bit harder. Um, over at Disney's Animal Kingdom, again, I feel like it's Flight of Passage. I feel like there's not really many great cues at, um, at Animal Kingdom. Um, Flight of Passage has some really pretty parts of the queue. Then you have like the Science Lab part, which is really good. Um, it's not the best queue, but I feel like it, it holds up better than anything else that's there. Over at Disney's Hollywood Studios, another park that I was kind of struggling with just thinking about um, about queues because there's really, there's really not many good queues. I'm never in the Rock and Roller Coaster queue. Um, Tower of Terror, once you're in the building, it's a great queue, but since it's hard to say it's a good queue right now because of the extended queue and you're just sitting outside and it's just it's dreadful. So um, at Hollywood Studios, I'm going Rise of the Resistance again. Um, over at Epcot, I'm a sucker for it. And I just love the Finding Nemo queue. It's cold. It's great. It's very beachy. Wish it was a little bit lighter, but it's a really good queue. Normally, there's no weight, so you kind of fly right through it. Um, but nonetheless, a very good queue. And then over at Magic Kingdom, I feel like there's no comp. I mean, there's good cues there. I love, you know, I still think the Haunted Mansion queue is good. I love the Space Mountain queue. It's iconic. Um, it just, you know, gives me the nostalgia feel too. Under the Sea is a great queue. One of the most underrated on property. Um, Tron has a solid queue. But overall, nothing beats Peter Pan's flight. Sometimes I want to ride Peter Pan's flight just to go in the queue because it's the best queue at a Disney park that I've been to. Um, it really is great. So that's my favorite pre-shows and queue. Thank you for those who are into pre-shows and queues and think they're cool things because I love them and, uh, and think they're great. Um, recently, and I think I mentioned it last week, that in the earnings call, Bob Iger talked about, um, he mentioned to Josh Damar about looking at the different franchises that the Walt Disney Company had and how can they bring them to the parks. So I wrote down a list of, of basically one franchise that I would like at each park um, because I do feel like each park can use an, one, I always, like you can always do more. Um, I feel like no park, you know, these aren't, um, these aren't museums. You know, there should always be change. Not that I agree with always replacing attractions. You know, I I would love to be able to to build on the land or use an empty land or maybe use, 
you know, a, a show building or something that doesn't drive that much attention and bring something there. So anyways, um, I got four ideas for each park. So over at Disney's Animal Kingdom, one of my favorite Disney properties that is so underutilized is Tarzan. Um, Tarzan used to meet when I was on my Disney college program in 2017 and really has not been anywhere ever since. Um, I would love an, a Tarzan attraction or show, um, an, an attraction where you're like flying through the jungle with Tarzan would be awesome. Um, probably would be a pretty easy attraction using screen technology. I would love if they did like a flight of passage type technology. I know they wouldn't, but it'd be really cool. Um, or a show. I mean, tar I know there was a Tarzan musical at Disney's Animal Kingdom back in the day, and I wish I could have been there for those days because the music is phenomenal, and it would. I think it would be a lot better than having the Finding Nemo show, personally. Over at Epcot, I feel like this is everyone's. I have Coco to replace Grand Fiesta Tour. Um, I just... I know the queue issue is probably a problem, but it just makes so much sense. Personally, I think Epcot should have a attraction in each country. Um, I feel like, you know, you have Norway with Frozen Ever After. Um, now you have the Ratatouille attraction over in France, but let's get, you know, let's get every, every, um, every country with an attraction. You know, why can't we get a Luca attraction in Italy? Or, um, you know, over in Mexico, you got Coco. I mean, I'd have to sit and think, like, how it can be done. But even if there's small attractions, if you added, you know, I mean, you would get tons of attractions throughout the, uh, throughout the park. And now, I like Epcot. I definitely go there the most. But I would truly love Epcot if we had something like that, where there was just that many rides to go on. Um, but... Start with Coco to replace Grand Fiesta Tour. Over to Disney's Hollywood Studios. I know there's, you know, they've brought in Galaxy's Edge and Toy Story Land and kind of these IP attractions to immerse you in the world. But let's take it back to Hollywood and let's bring the Who Framed Roger Rabbit Dark Ride to Disney's Hollywood Studios. It is a immaculate fit. It fit. It would fit perfectly. Um... I would love for it to be an animation courtyard. You wouldn't have to retheme the area. And you don't even need that big of an area to have it. I think it would be a perfect fit. Um, you could even do like a Who Framed Roger Rabbit dark ride. And then utilize Chippendale Rescue Rangers the movie. And use that as a way to have like a multiverse attraction of Disney movies. Um, and there you go. There's two attractions in a whole area. And animation courtyard has now become... The hot spot in Disney's Hollywood Studios. Um, I would love that. I would think it was it would be awesome. I think it'd be a really cool idea. Um, yeah, I think it'd be really cool, and it, it would it would bring some Hollywood back to Hollywood Studios. And then lastly, at Magic Kingdom, just give me the Beauty and the Beast Dark Ride. Just take away Enchanted Tales with Belle. Put the Beauty and the Beast Dark Ride. For me, Magic Kingdom is a park where, like, I want to ride a bunch of dark rides. Um, my thrill rides are fun, too, but, I like, that's the spot where I want to be riding a ton of dark rides. Um, and getting that attraction would be awesome. It would blow everyone away. I feel like there's even the space to do it. Um, yes, you lose Enchanted Tales with Belle, but 
I think a lot of people would be willing to take that to get a Beauty and the Beast attraction. Um, so that's my thoughts. Would love to know what other people think. Um, but yeah, I really would love, you know, more and more. And, you know, obviously I was upset Splash Mountain was closing for Princess Tiana, but I'm excited to have Princess and the Frog in the parks. Um, excited for Moana to come to Epcot. I just want them to keep, you know, bringing more and more. Um, I know there's always conversation about a fifth park, but I think it'd be nice to fill up the four parks that we have first before um, before having that even be a consideration. But all right, now let's get into some, some things that I've done this weekend. And let's start with dining reviews. Dine at three restaurants this weekend. Um, really kind of all over the spectrum of my, my Disney dining rankings. So I'll start off Friday night um, with Turf Bar and Grill. That is located at Saratoga Springs Resort, and it's basically like a 19th hole restaurant. It's right on the golf course at Saratoga Springs, which driving around, Saratoga Springs like visually looks beautiful. Um, but as I was at the restaurant and kind of walking through the main area, Khan understood why a lot of people have their criticisms of this resort because it desperately needs a refurbishment. Like the outsides of the property are gorgeous. It's really pretty, but the inside, everything just feels old. Um, yeah, it's old. It's old and really needs a refurbishment. Um, and the turf bar and grill is just part of that. It is very, it doesn't feel very Disney. It's very dark inside um, all of the color palettes of the restaurant are like your browns and tans and just doesn't have a very Disney-esque feel. Um, and I didn't have high expectations to visit here. We were going to see Cirque du Soleil after. We hadn't eaten at the Turf Bar and Grill, wanted to check it off. And, you know, but I always go and do an open mind with, uh, you know, before dining somewhere. Um, there's a beautiful view overlooking the golf course. So that is really nice. Um, but I just did the ambiance. I just did not like it all for this restaurant very, felt very undisney. Um, and the, the menu was very uninteresting, like going in there. I didn't really know what I would get. They had a prime rib, but we were going to get, I was going to get steak another day this weekend. Um, so I ended up getting a braised lamb pop, I definitely butchered that, but it basically a braised lamb with pasta. Um, and it, it was okay. I'm not really a fan of dishes with brown sauce. Um, so it's not like this was bad. It just wasn't really for me. And I, I should have known that going into it. It it was fine. You know, nothing nothing that I would get again. Um, but it was fine. The portion size was also pretty small for a $30 dish. Um, normally, Disney's pretty good with portion sizing. But I felt like this dish was just very, very tiny. Um, Lindsay ordered a salmon with a smoked onion and potato gratin. The smoked onion and potato gratin was really good. That was probably the best thing we got there. The salmon, I tried a little bit of Lindsay's. She liked it. I thought it was okay. I mean, I'm not a seafood person, but still, you know, some of the different types of seafood I've tried from her, I've enjoyed a lot more and this I just didn't care for. Um, you also get a her herbie roll with herb butter. That's their bread service, which it's fine. It's fine. Um, it just, everything about this restaurant just did not feel very Disney. 
Um, and that's okay. I mean, it, it's right at the end of a golf course. So I'm sure, it, you know, the goal isn't to have it scream Disney, but I don't know. It just felt very bland for me. It feels like if you're not going golfing at Saratoga um, or you're not staying there, like you can completely avoid this restaurant. I just, I didn't care for it at all. Didn't care for the vibes. The service was good. A little weird, but good. Um, but honestly, this is probably one of my least favorite restaurants on Disney property. I ranked it 101 out of 103. Um, so this actually came in as my lowest ranked uh, Disney dining at a resort. Just was not a fan. Um, granted, didn't have high expectations, but I'm still a little disappointed. I was hoping that this would be kind of like a middle tier dining Um not necessarily a hidden gem, but a place where you're like, oh, this is pretty good. You know, if I was staying here, I'd eat here, but not the case. Would not, you know, don't plan on returning, but that's why we do this. We do it so we can experience it. Um, it's just unfortunate that we didn't care that much for it. Saturday night, though. Saturday night, we had a good dining. Saturday night, we finally ate at Cinderella's Royal Table in Cinderella's Castle. That is right. We got to eat dinner inside Cinderella's Castle. Um, this was actually something Lindsay and I were supposed to do for our anniversary during COVID. And unfortunately, you know, parks closed. We didn't get to do it. Um, and Cinderella's Royal Table is a very hard reservation to come by. Um, for starters, you have to pay in advance to eat there. It's one of the very few, if not the only restaurant on Disney property you have to pay for in advance. And it's small, so I get it. Um, so, but it fills up. Like they, they're normally always fully booked. Um, so a very hard reservation to come by. But anyways, Lindsay, Sam, and I decided that we were going to eat here. And so we did. Um, and let me tell you, there. There's a lot of mixed reviews about this restaurant. Um, I've heard a lot of people not really care for it. A lot of people feel it's the worst food they've had. I generally, genuinely don't know where that came from because this was one of the greatest, not just meals, greatest experiences I've ever had in all of Walt Disney World. Um, I can be very critical of dinings. I Not that I had the highest of expectations here, Um I thought it'd be a pretty solid meal and the ambience I was going to love, but this was a true experience. The food was phenomenal. Like I loved everything I had and it wasn't just me. Lindsay and Sam agreed that it was very, very good. Um, so it wasn't like I just was a, you know, you know, one person out of three that liked it and everyone else hated it. Like we all loved it. The food was delicious and I'll get into that. The service was very good. The ambiance, I mean, you're eating dinner in Cinderella's castle. I mean, it's gorgeous. It's the prettiest dining room on Disney property. Um, we got also sat there during fireworks. And at first, I didn't really, like, expect, like, any firework. Like, I knew there was the glass window in the back. So I figured we would see some fireworks. But, like, it's a whole different experience that I wasn't expecting. Like, I appreciated Enchantment so much more from that view because you're just listening to the music, the lights dim, you hear the music. 
you see the fireworks. Some of the fireworks are going off like right outside the window. It was just so cool. Um, I was honestly just blown away. Um, so anyways, we had reservations at 740. So the area is kind of blocked off. So there's cast members that are near um, near Mickey's Frailheart Magic. You check in with them and they basically will guide you to Cinderella's Royal Table. Um, once you check in, you're immediately prompted to meet Cinderella before heading upstairs to your meal. So that was really cool. Quick little meet and greet. Um, and even the lobby area is gorgeous. Like you're just sitting there. Cinderella's there. They kind of uh, they have like a little introduction when you're getting ready to go upstairs. It's really cool. Um, then, of course, you go right upstairs. And it's just from the moment you walk upstairs, you're just blown away because it's beautiful up there. Um, it's a beautiful, beautiful restaurant. I was just speechless when I walked up there. Um, so it's a three course meal. We actually also, um, got a castle flight, which included a mimosa, peach bellini and a red sangria. All of them were really good. I thought the peach bellini was the best drink there. Um, little tiny glasses, but they were still really good. And it was also cool because it was the first time we've ever had alcohol, drank alcohol at Magic Kingdom. Um, that has, you know, been a new change, but it was really cool to say we were sitting there and we're like, if we're going to have our first drink at Magic Kingdom, why don't we do it now while we're in Cinderella's castle? And so he did. And it was awesome. Um, so for food, Lindsay and I started with the charcuterie board, which was pretty good. Sam got the butternut squash soup, which was surprisingly pretty tasty and a, a pretty big portion um, for the entrees, Sam and I both got the beef tenderloin with mashed potatoes, which I thought was one of the better steaks I've had on property. A ton of flavor. It was cooked really well. Good cut. The mashed potatoes were delicious. Um, I was really surprised because I was contemplating not getting the steak, but I really, really enjoyed it. I was very happy I got it because it was just filled with flavor. Lindsay got the When Will My Life Begin chicken and pasta, which was like a fresh pesto uh sauce and it was arguably the most fresh pasta dish i've ever had on disney property from the pictures that i saw online it didn't look appetizing at all um but it was really good and Lindsay loved it i was very surprised because i thought that dish did not look that great and it was really really good then for dessert the moment i realized just how good this restaurant was gonna be um we got Sam and I both got the Clock Strikes 12 dessert, which it's a dark chocolate mousse covered in fudge with like the little chocolate crunchies from like the Carvel ice cream in the middle at the bottom of the mousse served with hazelnut gelato and caramel crunchies on top. It was the best dessert I've ever had on Disney property. Better than the Ohana bread pudding, better than anything that I've loved so far. It was and I mean, granted, you have to love chocolate, um, but it was phenomenal. And it was a very big portion size too, but I absolutely loved it. It was delicious. It was the perfect like filling ends the meal. It was so good. And the presentation of really everything was great, but the presentation especially of the dessert was phenomenal. Um, Lindsay originally got the coffee pots de creme, which one of the servers actually came in and said, good luck. And then Lindsay didn't really care for it. It's really the only thing we tried and no one cared for. But then she later got the cheesecake, which was, again, very, very good. Very fresh. Probably 
not that I've had many cheesecakes on property, but probably would say it was the best cheesecake I've had on property. Um, just overall, everything here is just filled with flavor. Like some restaurants you go and you just wish there was a little bit more oomph to everything. This restaurant, like Cinderella's Royal Table, it just flavors galore. Any dish you have, there is just flavors, flavors, flavors. Everything is so tasty. And I mean, when you have that much flavor and just good food with an incredible ambiance with firework viewing, it's worthy of a top five spot on my list. Um, yeah, I pushed down a few restaurants that I love. And Cinderella's Royal Table now sits at five out of 103 on my, uh, on my restaurant list. I don't know if I mentioned that Turf Barn Girl was 101 out of 103, but that's for another day. Um, but Cinderella's Royal Table, five out of 103. I, I truly loved it. Did not expect to love it this much. I was expecting, like I said, a middle-tier dining. Um, but it was awesome. It was so, so good. And then the last dining of the weekend um, was Trails End. Obviously, I'd already mentioned that Trails End is going to close this spring to be replaced um, by a quick service restaurant. So we rushed over to eat there one last time. Um, and for me, Trails End's always been a solid spot. My mom loves it for dinner. It's got a good dinner. The breakfast is probably the best value breakfast on property. The all-you-can-eat family style is only $22.99. So it's a great deal. Um, but nothing really stands out as unique. Like it's your typical Disney breakfast. The cheesy hash brown casserole is delicious to my favorite thing. Um, the assortment of pastries is pretty good. The cinnamon rolls are good. Um, it's just a solid meal. Like you're going to get good food. Nothing's going to really blow you away. The ambiance has kind of like a Cracker Barrel feel according to Jomi, which does make sense. Um, just a very solid Disney dining. You can't go wrong. The food's good. The service is always solid. Um, it, you know, it's sad that it's leaving, but overall, just a, a solid dining. I ranked it at 53 out of 103. So those are my Disney dining rankings um, for the weekend. And I'm actually, now that I've eaten at every Magic Kingdom restaurant, we're going to rank them from worst to best um, a little bit later on. Other things that we did, I mentioned that we saw Cirque du Soleil. Um, that's right. We saw the new Cirque du Soleil drawn to life show. And <laughs> it was very disappointing. Uh, extremely disappointing. Very underwhelming. Um, we got a Black Friday deal, which, you know, kind of led us to say, hey, we're, let's go do it. And um, I heard good things, but I did not care for it at all. The storyline for me was hard to keep up. Each, like, act just dragged for too long. Like, there would be a juggling scene, but then juggling would go on for 10 to 15 minutes. The acrobats would do, like, one session for, like, 10 minutes, and it just felt like everything was dragging. And this was my first ever Cirque show, by the way. So there, I don't know if it's like this for all shows, but there was no real dialogue, no vocals. So, like, you're just hearing background music the whole time. It just... It was really boring. The set designs are pretty. The costume designs were a little bit weaker. Also did not understand the usage of Disney properties in this show. Like it made no sense. I could not understand it at all. Um, it just, the show felt very lackluster all over the place. Messy, boring. Um, honestly, like 20 minutes in, I was like, is this going to be this the whole show? 
Um, and I was hoping it would change. It just never really did. Lindsay and I kind of looked at each other at the end of the show and we're like, that wasn't really that good. Um, so we're disappointed. I don't know if we just, if there was something that was, we, you know, should have liked more. I don't know what it was, but I was not a fan. I don't plan on going back. And it's a shame because it's in a great spot. It's a great thing to do at Disney Springs. I just wish it was a good show. Um, so I'm a bit disappointed, especially because it was a Disney Cirque du Soleil show, but it doesn't really feel Disney when you're watching the show outside of just project projections of characters. So that was a bit underwhelming. Next thing that we did, we did a cast member preview for Tron. Tron Light Cycle Run at Magic Kingdom. Let's just say that until Cinderella's Royal Table, this weekend felt very underwhelming. Um, I still want to ride it again, and I'm going to do a more dedicated episode, like I said, once I ride it again to just kind of collect my thoughts a little bit better and experience it more. But my initial thoughts is that Tron is a bit underwhelming. Um, first, the whole fiasco of the seating um, I was very nervous. I was not going to fit. If you follow Paging Mr. Morrow, I highly recommend watching his video because he basically explains the easiest way to get seated, and it helped me. I got right in. Um, it's just weird on your calves. That's kind of where it gets stuck. Um, but I had no problem. I was able to get in the seat. It's an uncomfortable seat. Like I definitely, once I got locked in, was like cramping. Um so didn't love the feeling of being in the seat. Um, the pre-show was cool. It had a very effective pre-show. Like very short to the point, surprised you, but very cool. Um, I really liked that idea. The locker idea, I know Velocicoaster at Universal Studio or at Islands of Adventure uses that. Great idea, especially for this attraction. Um, since you don't have really anywhere to put your stuff, um, great to have that. Um, the attraction's fun. Like, it's a fun ride. The launch is awesome, super cool. It's just very short. Like, the ride is like a 60-second attraction. And for me, because, I mean, even with the cast member preview, it's still like an hour wait. It just doesn't feel like something I want to wait an hour for. Um, obviously, I'm going to do it again for the annual pass preview, and I'll probably do it again with the virtual queue just because it's new. But other than that, like, it's just not something I'd want to wait that long for. Um, just feels like there's not much payoff. It kind of feels like test track backwards. Um, the whole indoor section, to me, just felt like... Uh, some people, some friends that I have love it. Um, they sat in the back, so that's why I want to give it another shot. But for me, it just was too quick. Um, so... That's my initial thoughts. I'm going to talk about it deeper once there's an annual pass preview so I can really get a better feel for the attraction. I just felt like riding it once was just not enough to fully pay dividends to this attraction. When I rode Guardians for the first time, it was a much different feel. I feel like it was a much easier attraction to take in because it's longer too and I fell in love with it immediately. Did not feel the same about Tron Light Cycle Run. It's a cool addition. It's a beautiful ride. It's just underwhelming. But again, going to you know go back for my annual pass preview. We'll do a thorough, um, a more thorough talk about Tron Light Cycle Run. Um, kind of dedicate an episode like I did to Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind. Um, 
But for now, that's my initial thoughts. But hopefully, you know, hopefully things change when I get to re-ride it. But all right, Valentine's Day is coming up. I know I've talked to you guys about how I spent Valentine's Day last year um, for engagement weekend. So I want to give you guys some advice. If you are looking for something to do on Valentine's Day that it's Disney-related. So I'm going to start off by talking about just five regular activities on Valentine's Day that you could do that I think are good for Valentine's Day across Walt Disney World. So number one, and I actually did this two years ago, was grabbing drinks at Enchanted Road as at Enchanted Rose at Disney's Grand Floridian Resort. It's Beauty and the Beast themed. Um, the drink's a little, little pricey, but it's a really pretty lounge area. Um, you could also sit outside and get cool views of the Grand Floridian Resort. Um, very relaxed, a nice spot to just go and grab a drink and chat and enjoy the ambiance. The second idea is a boathouse boat ride at Disney Springs. So right next to the boathouse, um, there's some boat rides that you can do in the lake area. I've never done one myself, but it looks great. looks like a lot of fun. I'm sure pretty romantic. Um, kind of is like Disney Springs version of like a Venice gondola, but you're on a, on a car instead. Um, but it looks really cool. Probably a really great thing to do. Another thing... Again, something Lindsay and I did last year was drinks at the Dahlia Lounge at Disney's Coronado Springs Resort. I love Dahlia Lounge. I think it's one of the best lounges on Disney property. Um, you could get a view of both Epcot and Disney's Hollywood Studios. Um, and now that Fantasmic's back, you'll also be able to see those fireworks. So you're in a good spot. Um, it's very relaxed up there, very calm. I think it's a great spot to get drinks and have firework viewing. The drinks are really good there too. Overall, just really good spot to relax. And I feel like it could be very romantic with you and your significant other or a friend or yourself or whoever you want to be with. Number four is take a fireworks cruise. You can do this at Epcot. You can do this at Magic Kingdom. It's still something that's one of my lower level Disney bucket list dreams. But take a boat out. Um, or I think for fireworks, they you have a driver. But who doesn't want to be on a boat while fireworks are going on? That sounds awesome. Um, fireworks, I feel like, always bring out the romance. Um, just a nice little fun activity that's a little different. And lastly, drink, or, uh, grab a drink or get a dessert at Disney's Boardwalk Resort and just enjoy the boardwalk. Go enjoy fireworks. Um, I feel like the boardwalk's a great spot where you can just kind of walk around and take it all in and just enjoy everything. Um, you know, they have the boardwalk bakery there. You grab a snack there. Um, just kind of a nice relaxed spot where you can go ahead and enjoy, you know, hanging out. And of course you go to the parks. I mean, there's stuff there if that's your thing, but these are more like things you could do outside of the parks. Now, if you're looking for a good place to go out to dinner that I would consider like a good spot for Valentine's Day, I named five of them. Um, I'm going to say no in particular order, even though they're kind of, no, no in particular order. But these would be like my five like romantic spots that I would recommend that are really universal for anybody. Um, I'll give my first part, my only park one, which is Tutto Italia over at um, the Italy Pavilion in Epcot. It's um, not Via Napoli, if you're familiar with Via Napoli, but it's another rest, uh, sit-down restaurant over at Epcot. 
Food's really great. It's an Italian restaurant. I feel like that's always good for Valentine's Day. Lindsay and I are actually going to a local Italian restaurant tomorrow. Um, and the food's really great and the service is great. It's actually one of my favorite spots at Epcot. It's very good. Um, and very low key too. I feel like it's not something that a lot of people really know about. So it's like a nice, enjoyable spot. Another place I have Toledo. No way was I going to include Dolly Lounge and not include Toledo right across the way. So on the opposite side of the top of, um, Grand Casino Tower at Disney's Coronado Springs Resort is Toledo, which is a tapas style restaurant. Very pretty restaurant. Um, not my favorite restaurant, but the food's pretty good. Very pretty dining room. The service is good. Just a really good, like, romantic spot where you can go grab food. Um, another good spot. Number three at the top of Disney's Riviera Resort is Topolino's Terrace. Another very romantic spot. Very quiet. Beautiful restaurant. Gorgeous views at the top of Riviera. And the food is phenomenal. Um, I really want to go back there because I've heard their rigatoni is out of this world. I don't remember what I had when I went a few years ago. Um, but nonetheless, the restaurant is very good, very pretty. Um, just a great spot to grab food. Number two, and I know it's currently under refurbishment, so this is more of a future thing. But Narcoosie's at Disney's Grand Floridian Resort. Felt like I had to give one Grand Floridian restaurant. I mean, Citricos... I love Citricos. I just think it's a little bit too busy and a little bit too loud for a Valentine's Day meal. Narcoosie's is a quieter meal. Um, it's got a great view on the water. You can actually go outside onto the balcony and watch fireworks um, while the Magic Kingdom fireworks are going on. And the food's great. You get seafood. You get steak. I love Narcoosie's. We ate there last year for actually for Lindsay and I's anniversary. Um, and we really, really enjoyed it. It was very good. Um, so yeah, next year, Narcoosie's. <laughs> Number one, probably the best spot on property. Um, of course, back up, you know, at the top of a resort. At the top of Disney's contemporary resort is California Grill. Just the best spot. I mean, I, like I told you guys early in the episode, when I proposed to Lindsay, we went to California Grill after the food is out of this world. The firework viewing is incredible. It is just the perfect spot for like a romantic occasion. Um, it's very, very good. The food is delicious. It's in my, I still think it's in my top five. It is in my top five. I actually think it's my number four restaurant. Um, very good. The service is excellent. It's just, you can't beat it. California Girl is phenomenal. I don't care who you talk to. I feel like you're always going to hear great reviews about it. Um, Lindsay and I did it for, we've ate there twice. We ate there for our, our engagement right after I proposed. And then we also ate there after, um, or for her birthday, I believe it was two years ago. And for our engagement, they were great. We were there for like three hours. They gave us free uh, free champagne for our engagement. We did the 50th anniversary menu. Uh, it was like a, a prefix menu. Our server was excellent. It was just great. It was a great experience. Um, I'll never forget it. I love that place. Um, so I highly recommend it for really any, I feel like everyone should eat at California girl at some point, but it's great for like a romantic occasion. But all right, now that I have ate at all of the, uh, sit down restaurants at magic kingdom, I have to rank them from worst to best. 
So at this point, I have now eaten at every, I've eaten at every restaurant at Magic Kingdom. Um, Disney's Animal Kingdom, I've also eaten at every restaurant. So I might actually do a, a review of Disney's Animal Kingdom at some point. Um, I'd love to get back to Tusker House though because it's been so long. So maybe I'll get a chance to go back there and then do it again. Um, and then currently Disney's Hollywood Studios I've also completed, but I do, I'll probably do it after Roundup Rodeo Barbecue opens since technically I will not have finished it. So the only restaurant, the only park that I have left that I have not finished is Epcot, which I have a few because of Kumite, Monsieur Paul, Spice Road Table. I don't think Restaurant Marrakesh ever reopens, but if it does, that would be there too. So right now out of the restaurants that are open there, I believe I just have three. Um, so, but they're pretty expensive ones. So might be a bit before we complete Epcot, but Magic Kingdom is completed. So we're going to go from worst to best. There's eight sit down restaurants. Um, and I will preface Magic Kingdom for sit down restaurants. It's not my favorite place to eat. I'll be completely honest. Um, not my favorite place to eat. They have all of their restaurants for the most part are very well themed, I'll take that back. They're probably the best themed park restaurants. Um, it's just a lot of the food is iffy. Um, so without further ado, let me get into it. Number eight, my least favorite, and actually my second least favorite restaurant in all of Disney is Diamond Horseshoe. Um, my number one is AMC Dine-In. Technically, it used to be on the My Disney Experience app, so I haven't included. Do not judge me. It's just what my Disney experience used to have. Um, Diamond Horseshoe is ranked 102 out of 103. It's my least favorite Disney dining. Um, it's a cool ambiance in there. It's right next to Liberty Tree Tavern. Um, but all of the food, and it, it's changed. I think now it has the same menu as Liberty Tree Tavern. But when we ate there, all of it was quick service options, basically, that was served together for like a family-style meal. And it was just... Nothing was that good. I felt like I was just eating quick service galore, but paying a sit down price. It was very disappointing. Nothing really stood out. Everything that sounded good was underwhelming. And it's sad because when we were getting ready to go to Diamond Horseshoe, I was very, very excited to eat there. Like at one point, it was my most anticipated restaurant to eat at. Um, and unfortunately, now it's somewhere I will unfortunately never eat again. So that's my number eight. My number seven is Skipper Canteen. This, for whatever reason, is a fan favorite for a lot of people. I'm not one of those people. I love the ambiance of Skipper Canteen. It's Jungle Cruise themed. The service is great. It's just the food is so overrated. The portion sizes are small. It's overpriced. Um, it, a lot of stuff doesn't really taste that fresh. It's cool in there. Don't get me wrong. Like, it's a place that if you're, like, you want to be a Disney foodie and experience everything, like, go there. But there's just nothing really there that great. Like, I I don't think really any of the dishes are that great. They have an appetizer that's, like, a cheesy bread that's pretty good. Other than that, I'm just not a fan. I've eaten there multiple times. I kept saying to myself, like, maybe I just had a bad experience last time. Maybe I had a bad experience last time. They have eaten there now like three times, and I'm like, all right, I'm just not a fan of this place. Like, there's, you know, that's it. You know, not, there's no need for me to give this place another chance. 
Um, so I have that as 89 out of 103. Number six is Tony's Town Square Restaurant, a place I think is overhated. Um, Tony's is right at the front of Magic Kingdom Park on your right side. I think the vibe inside is great. It's Lady and the Tram themed, themed extremely well. Um, it's not the best food in the world. I'm not going to lie about that. Um, I got the chicken parm there a few years ago. I wasn't the biggest fan. Um, it was solid, but just not the biggest fan. Recently, we went back, Lindsay and I, and we both... I had a, a pasta dish, which was very different and pretty good. Um, so I, I actually enjoyed it a lot more this time. I thought it's a pretty solid dining. It's not the top of the list. It's not a place that I'm going to be running back to. But if someone said, hey, do you want to go to Tony's? Or if I'm looking to sit down at Magic Kingdom, you know, I'd consider Tony's. It's pretty solid. Um, everything does come out really quick, which I don't love. But... On the flip side, if you're looking to get in and out of a restaurant quick, Tony's will get you there. Um, so I have that at 72 out of 103. Number five, I feel like this is a hidden gem with the Plaza Restaurant. This is at the end of Main Street on your right side. Um, a few years ago since I've eaten there, but the food is very fresh. Um, very, very solid. I think I had like a, I want to say a burger or some type of sandwich, but the food there is good. The ambiance isn't anything special, a very small restaurant, um, but the food is priced really well. Um, the portion sizes are pretty good, and it's pretty tasty. Um, not a place I'm running to, but it's somewhere I'll always consider. I also think they switch up their menu quite a bit, so I think last time I looked to go back, I didn't see anything I cared for, um, but it's a pretty solid place to go to. Um, I have it at 67 out of 103. Number four, this restaurant actually used to be in like my top 20, um, but my last experience, it fell quite a bit. That's Crystal Palace. Um, I have now eaten at Crystal Palace for both breakfast and dinner. Definitely think breakfast is the spot to go for. Um, now all the Winnie the Pooh characters are back, so it's Winnie the Pooh themed. For breakfast, I enjoyed it. We went a few years ago and the characters were great. The food was good. It was buffet style. Um, they had some unique options there, so I enjoyed it a lot. I thought it was a great vibe. I thought the food was good. I liked it a lot. Then we went for dinner, had a three-course meal, and it, the food was fine. It was coming way too quick. I mean, we were – I remember we ordered. We had our appetizers. As we were eating our appetizers, entrees came to the, to, came to the, to the table. As we were eating our entrees, dessert came to the table. I am one where I like everything, you know, perfectly. Like, I like it to be spaced out. I don't want, especially for a three-course meal, like, don't rush everything on to me. Um, I was very, very disappointed um, by the food, by the service. Um, the ambiance is still great in there. It's still a pretty restaurant, but I just did not care as much for it. Granted, things are now a buffet again, so I would recommend trying it out. Um, it's still number four on my list, so I still think it's a good dining, um, but it's a lot lower than it used to be on my overall list. I have it at 52 out of 103. Uh, now my top three, and I, I truly love all three of these restaurants. Number three is Liberty Tree Tavern. I think for a while I thought it was my most, the restaurant I'd go back to the most at Magic Kingdom. The value's great. The food's great. It's like Thanksgiving all year round. Uh, it's got a cool like old school vibe. Got a really good dessert. Um, 
I enjoy it a lot. I think the food's really good. I think you get a lot. I think, you know, things are, again, coming quickly. Um, the ambiance, it, it's definitely very Thanksgiving, pilgrim-like. It fits uh, Liberty Square great. Um, not necessarily my vibe, but the food's good. I have it at 42 out of 103. Very good restaurant. If you're looking for a restaurant and you don't want to break the bank of Magic Kingdom, I'll always recommend Liberty Tree Tavern. Number two, um, a place that I think is overhated, Be Our Guest. I think Be Our Guest has fantastic food. I think it has a great steak. I love the gray stuff there. The French onion soup's great. I think the ambiance is immaculate. I think wherever you're sitting, um, outside of like the library area, but um, the main dining room, the ballroom is beautiful. Um, I think it's the West Wing where the Beast Lair, that's an awesome place. I've eaten at um, I've eaten at Be Our Guest multiple times and I've loved it every time. I truly don't understand the hype. I think if you're a Disney fan, it's worth eating here. I feel like this place is just a must do at any point. If you are, especially if you're a, a Beauty and the Beast fan, like you will fall in love with this restaurant. I have Be Our Guest at nine out of 103. And number one, for all of the reasons I listed earlier, is Cinderella's Royal Table. Just one of the best experiences on Disney property. And as we're talking about service, um, they perfectly time your meal. Like this restaurant actually felt like it's easily the best service at Magic Kingdom. Um, not rushed. The way that your timing is spread out is perfect. Nice hour and a half meal. Probably one of the best perfectly timed meals I've had on Disney property. In terms of like just bringing out all of your meals. Very good. Royal Table, like I mentioned, five out of 103 on my list. So again, ranking each Magic Kingdom dining from worst to best. Number eight, Diamond Horseshoe. Number seven, Skipper Canteen. Number six, Tony's Town Square Restaurant. Five, Plaza Restaurant. Four, Crystal Palace. Three, Liberty Tree Tavern. Two, Be Our Guest. And number one, my favorite restaurant at Magic Kingdom, Cinderella's Royal Table. Um, so that's it. I'm happy to have completed my Magic Kingdom dinings. Um, you know, I I always recommend, you know, try things out for yourself. Food can be subjective. Um, if there's any three places I'm really going to recommend, it's Royal Table, Be Our Guest, and Liberty Tree Tavern. Um, you know, depending on price and what you're willing to spend. But those are, I mean, those are three great options. Plaza is a good value. Tony's, if you're like in the middle of what you want to spend. But those are uh, those are my ranks. So this is a packed episode. I feel like I had so much to talk about and no time to breathe. Um, so I hope you all enjoyed it. I know some things I kind of tease like Tron, and I promise we will have a time where we can share it deeper after. just want to get a second ride in and be able to talk about it. Um, if you were a Cirque du Soleil fan, I'm sorry to disappoint. Um, maybe you'll go see the show and enjoy it more than I will. Um, so yeah, I'm sorry to, to break that news. But as for us, we're going out to eat for Italian on Valentine's Day. Excited for that. And then this week on Pump, because Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania comes out, it's okay that I'm seeing it at 11 o'clock at night because it's a Marvel movie, and I cannot wait to see Kang the Conqueror just be an absolute menace on the big screen. So that is it for me. Hope you enjoy this episode. Hope you have a wonderful week. Hope you enjoy your Valentine's Day. Um, and I will 
talk to you guys next week on Journey into Paul's Imagination.